Podcast. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up, and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Oh, Wesley. And today, we're discussing a film from 2021, Disney Pixar's Vespa. Not the shiny cherry red Vespa, but the busted, rusted Vespa that gets sold. Oh, man. Foreshadowing your review? <laughs> Luca. I thought maybe we'd open this episode with your best dolphin impression. <laughs> I can do it. And then she did it twice. And at least it wasn't like a running gag because that would have been annoying. But rather it was the identifier for Luca that he knew to evade his parents. Right. But it's like, ah! I can't do it. That sounds like an annoying laugh. But it's better than Regina Spector's. That's pretty good. It also sounds like you're being electrocuted, which is kind of how she looks. Right. I like how her eyes go neutral or something when he when she, go Uncle Ugo. <laughs> they go clear Uncle Ugo. He never has a. He doesn't come back. He goes. He just like slinks back to the deep, and that was it. He was just there to scare Luca out of the water. Oh, he's amazing. Why does he get punched in the heart? Well, well, he says it's because of too much oxygen. And indeed, fish from low oxygen environments can't exactly survive near the surface. And likewise, the fish that he's talking to couldn't possibly survive down in the depths. Uncle Ugo really continues a tradition. Actually, I don't know if it's a tradition, but there's occasionally characters that are so weird. You're like, what was that about? <laughs> and Disney doesn't seem to steer too far away these days from punching people in the face with a closed fist, like a hammer punch, yeah. or punching your uncle in the heart. <laughs> it's very His weird see-through uncle's heart. Or two thugs are holding your arms and then you get the sucker punch in the gut. I was kind of surprised. Pretty brutal. I was surprised by that and I was surprised by all the estupidos. Yeah, to adults. But we saw that it was wrong. So <laughs> my, uh, my question, this is in fact Disney's, not just Pixar's, but Disney's first commitment to an Italian culture film. Uh, we had Pinocchio, but that wasn't exactly, you know, didn't focus on the culture. Granted, this is also a different era. This film has been pinned down to 1954 specifically, which seems about right. What are the telltale signs of 54? Well, the Vespa and uh, there was a Federico Fellini poster in the background. Also a creature from the Black Lagoon, both of which were 1954. Hmm. Okay. The bouffant hairstyle, I guess, is kind of throwback to greaser 50s hair. Snail greaser, like a pompadour, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's more pompadour, I guess, than bouffant. So you were saying full-scale commitment to Italian culture and... Did it feel disparaging to you at all? Oh, to Italian culture? I did find it curious that the 
lead characters, the three leads, all have neutral movie accents, a Western American accent. And I was wondering if that was intentional or if that was just a byproduct of specific casting. But it did seem a little strange to me that the villain has this heavy Italian accent and the lead characters don't. So Jacob Tremblay, who plays Luca, is from Canada. And he has so he call has what he calls a Canadian American accent, and it was proposed that he speak in an Italian accent, but then they dropped that. I guess it was more naturalistic, particularly when you're working with kids. But also, none of the three primary cast members were are Italian, and in fact, the only Italian cast member that's verified is Ercole, who who's, who has a strong Italian accent, played by Saverio Raimondo. It's it's about widespread appeal. I guess. Does it have to be Italian? I don't know, because they certainly went for it with Italian culture, and there were obviously hints of a strong accent whenever they would pronounce names or places or certain words. Yes, they drop in and out of it like news reporters. It was very heavily Italian-influenced, and I didn't know if that was a favor, altogether favorable depiction, but nobody seems to be railing on it. Other than the accents, the culture was displayed as provincial and, I guess, you know, ostensibly appropriate for the time, for the 1950s. I don't know that sea monsters were portrayed so favorably. <laughs> but that is also part of the Italian culture, this idea because I thought the same thing. I, so I didn't know anything about Luca. I just knew that it was about a boy on the Italian Riviera. And then it doesn't start with the boy on the Italian Riviera. And I was like, we're doing sea monsters? <laughs> but that that's as strange as focusing on a movie set in Greece and you're like, Krakens? But it's just a part of myth and legend, right? I guess so. I like the perspective shift where the sea monsters call people land monsters, right? It's just a matter of perspective. But the sea monsters are decidedly not barbarian, but um, savagey. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're uneducated, <laughs> technologically not advanced, provincial, you know, kind of more pastoral shepherding folk, you know, albeit underwater. So I watched very closely. And when we're on land, they eat a lot of pasta. Right. In fact, that's the only thing they eat other than ice cream. But do they eat those fish that he was hurting? Do the sea monsters eat the fish underwater? Right. I was trying to figure out what their diet was because above ground, they above on land, they only ate pasta because Kelly had theorized that they're not shepherding the fish for food. They're shepherding fish kind away from the land monsters, hiding them and stuff and moving them out safely and then herding them back in when a boat goes by overhead. <laughs> I think they have, you know, a harmonious, you know, ocean life where they take what they need, but they don't take more than they need, like the land monsters. Yeah, we're terrible that way. But they got to eat fish. They got to eat fish. But I mean, I don't know that they're barbaric. They have clothes and stuff. Yeah, they magically have like their seaweed clothes when they trans... When they, what do they call it? When they do the change? I don't know. He referred to it somehow like, they when, let's do the change. But did the mom have a dress or was that just an orientation of her scales or whatever under underwater? Hmm. I don't think it matters because they're all a mess downstairs anyway. Like it's just all a mess of like gills and fins and tentacles or whatever. But they were wearing some kind of clothes undersea. And then, yeah, when they pop up to the surface, they have their conveniently placed seaweed garments to preserve their modesty. Right. And once they're in land monster clothes, they're also very conveniently not camouflaged, but they blend in. There's nothing about them that's sea monstery when they do the change. 
the quick drying effect is probably what I figure to be the closest direct association with splash, right? Once you dry them off, they're fine. But if they touch the water, bam, you got fins or scales or whatever. But the clothes were unlike splash because they were covered up and she was not. Maybe it's just a Disney Plus thing. Maybe theatrically, they're naked in Luca. And then on Disney Plus, they added the, the seaweed shorts and, and stuff in, in post because uh, of the splash fuzz butt controversy when they reissued it. Uh, I don't know. Is anyone seeing Luca theatrically? No. that's the Pixar is pretty upset. They feel, they worry that Disney is losing faith in the company as a marketer. I mean, for a minute there, Pixar really held Disney together in the, around 2000. But Pixar is saying that we understand Soul. It was released, you know, there were posters all over the theaters before they shut down for Soul. And then ultimately it was, it was released streaming and on Disney+. Plus. But now with, with more people being vaccinated, they decided. They canceled about three months ahead of the premiere, canceled the theatrical release altogether. So obviously for awards consideration, it has to run and it will run at the El Capitan Theater for a limited time. But otherwise, no theatrical release. And Pixar employees are not happy about that. Well, was it fortuitous? Does Luca, the film, deserve a huge, splashy, pun intended, marketing campaign? Marketing is much more important than people realize. It stirs up anticipation for the movie, excitement, and when there's a lack of marketing, because where is like Luca, there's a new Pixar movie? Where did Luca come from? And then you go into it with like... So they didn't heavily promote it, are they not? You know, because The Good Dinosaur also came out of nowhere, at least in my opinion, and that it, it makes sense because a considerable amount of any move, major movie's budget is the advertising. So maybe this was strategic, maybe the lack of marketing campaign, and maybe this is how it should be. You know, the marketing investment correlates with the quality of the film. Uh, it's sad to think so. But aside Where are these from, Pixar concerns coming from? Who's vo who's voicing them? Because this is from the animators who spent a long time on Luca for them to be like, no, this is going to go straight to Disney Plus. We're going to avoid theaters altogether, which obviously is a sign of prestige, especially in this day and age. But also that Disney would choose to just throw it up on Disney Plus without the premium paywall that they gave to Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah, and Mulan. Curious. And not to disparage the quality of Luca, it's it's a beautifully made film. I do have some qualms with the story, which I'm sure we'll get to. But beautifully made, gorgeous looking. So when you say beautifully made, the difference is made all around with real skill and obvious precision. Or, of course, it's beautiful. It's the stunning Italian Riviera and the sparkling sea and the lush trees and the sun-baked village and all that stuff but was there a tremendous amount of pixar flair i mean this the setting certainly doesn't hurt it right the setting is gorgeous but i think there's something subtle about this film there's something understated about its grandeur to the attention to detail the vibrancy of the colors the way that the light plays in the little riviera in town um even the characters are pretty they're a little bit more cartoony and they've got wallace and gromit mouth but they're so cute. Was that jarring for you at all, getting on board with this style of character design? Luca, in particular, is such a likable, cute character, such a good kid, that it all seemed to jive. Ultimately, did you like it? Animation-wise, did you feel like Pixar was pushing the envelope? 
I got on board, but I couldn't tell if it was pushing the envelope to where we're now going to embrace stylistically a style consciously and really knock it out of the park. This is going to be the best Wallace and Gromit looking movie ever. But <laughs> in a way, like this was a low stakes movie that didn't have super fantastic elements. And I'm hearing now that that was not the filmmaker's intent. There was actually a climactic sea monster transformation big scene. And I don't know to what degree or who that would have involved, but they opted out of that big, flashy, Pixar-style finale sequence and huh. opted for the quieter, just the two boys, you know, real level of understanding and acceptance that comes from the town at the finish line of the race, of the triathlon, of what they called the traditional <laughs> Italian triathlon, which is a thing that brought <laughs> the Italian... Uh, the homages they made into question for me. Is there a thing where you have to eat pasta as fast as you can after and then jump on like a 10 speed? <laughs> I thought that was a fictional twist on the uh, traditional triathlon. If it's fake, it could be considered stereotypical. Yeah. Or <laughs> kind of. I really hope, though, if we had that team and there was a division of skill, I definitely would be the pasta dude, right? And you'd be on like swimming or something. Uh, it's it is a very inclusive approach to uh, the typical triathlon. So you know my thing for Pixar movies, right? What's my Pixar thing going into a new Pixar film? That Pixar chooses one thing to forward in the medium of animation. On what can we hang our hat where Luca did that thing and Toy Story 4 did that thing. And I don't know that there was any one particular thing. We got a lot of sea hazy elements from the Nemo films and, you know, the photorealistic, beautiful landscape. We got a lot of that in Brave, although this is certainly a different part of the world. I think the lighting is good. I think the lighting was tremendous in Seoul. And so I was looking for the thing, and I don't think this is it, but I wondered how you felt. How do you figure they did that hill effect where they are on the makeshift Vespa and they look down that ridiculous slope to the rock and their launching point? Yeah. And they do that dolly slash zoom effect where it's like dizzying heights oh you mean the vertigo shot is there a digital camera that you can position within the 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 3d environment that you can both virtually dolly and focus because focus <laughs> is a physical manipulation of the lenses right yeah. and so are the whenever they do like camera effects and it goes blurry as they try to focus can you do that easily by sliding the digital lens backward and forward. I don't know about easily, but yes, you create a CG environment and you have virtual cameras within that environment that you control. And that gives you so much more latitude within the virtual by getting different angles and different vantage points. Yeah, there's there's definitely a camera within the space to create similar practical cinematic effects. So effectively that shot that could have been really complicated was two drags on a slider. <laughs> Again, I don't know how, how easy it is to execute, but it's probably more like what you understand in, pre in live action filmmaking than not. 
But I thought of it like, you know, like a live action film. You need rain. You put the sprinklers up and you shower them with more rain than is typically normal. So it will show up on camera. And that's how you do that. Whereas a dedicated rain sequence like we saw in Toy Story 4 is really labor intensive. Each raindrop has to be, you know, and there are thousands, millions of them. When it's a cinematic convention and we see it all the time, that could have been months on Pixar's end for all I know. Of course. But an important shot or moment to understand how scary this would look how the characters really need to overcome something in order to attempt the hill whether it's the original one that they do on their makeshift vespa or the one that they the one that they have to face in the um portoroso race the, the triathlon Yes. That said, still, they changed the time machine in Back to the Future from a refrigerator to a car because they're afraid that kids are going to climb into a refrigerator. I continually marvel at Disney and, and how it doesn't seem to shy away from kids punching other kids in the face these days. But also, this movie kind of is, is pretty dangerous, right? If you're going to emulate any of the stuff you see in Luca, you're probably going to get hurt. Yeah, cliff diving. Yeah, the kids have the benefit of once they hit the water, they know they're not going to drown. They know they're safe. That didn't stop him from doing the full-on belly flop. From Alberto <laughs> recommending that he stare directly into the sun. Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> that uh, that downhill plummet in the race itself on the wet streets, the wet polished <laughs> stone streets, these ancient cobblestones that are worn smooth on a bike, the Vespa coming apart every time they did a downhill run, jumping off the tower. Into I was about to street. say, throwing yourself out of a tower or a lighthouse? Not recommended. Oh, man. That, that, this movie should come with a disclaimer. It's like I've shed all of my childhood adventureness, and, and I look at this from the vantage point of a parent, and I'm like, this is all very ill-advised. <laughs> but maybe, you know, if you put yourself back in the kit, your kid's shoes, there's an understanding that there's this is something different than the reality that you exist in, but it's super fun. And wouldn't it be cool to be able to jump out of towers and cliff dive? I didn't do those things, but I've definitely looked down many a hill and thought, I'm about to die on my bike but it was equal opportunity uh you know scary as much as they did it julia was also a little daredevil she was feisty and she very much reminded me of ellie in up the young ellie oh she reminded me of um like a lucy or a peppermint patty or like she was like lucy and peppermint patty wrapped up in in a sally <laughs> but uh she's also had a little bit of merida oh i could see uh, that the un unnecessarily red hair that when you got a good shot of it, it wasn't like hair at all. None of their hair. It, so the cartoony style was meant to be a certain style, the Wallace and Gromit type style animation, because it also was decidedly unphotorealistic. When you look really closely at the hair, it's got that chocolate pudding kind of solid Happy Meal feel as opposed to individual and not to say that it didn't move like hair but her hair had the consistency of like it was spun like a yarn mm -hmm. it had texture but it wasn't hair like necessarily yeah and luca has his little like curly croissant but we haven't gotten to the story luca okay it's simplistic i'm down with that it's fun and adventurous and the characters they go from one adventure to the to the other great i get it nice set pieces but um, I have a real problem with Luca as a main character, uh, as cute as he is and as and he's a good kid and all that stuff. And his and he's breaking out of his not his good kid shell, 
maybe realizing that there's a life of adventure that awaits him if he can only just be brave. All this to say that I feel like Luca is... He's not a self-realized character. He's not a character who's out there pursuing his destiny, making things happen against all odds. This is a character to whom things happen. Alberto happens to him. And the race and the pursuit of the Vespa is kind of Luca glomming onto Alberto's dream. This idea of freedom. Even going to school is something that Alberto and julia orchestrate and make happen for him it makes not only the character but i think the film feel unmotivated and i think it's a real problem despite how fun and rompy the whole thing is like his personality is reactive he doesn't have a personality it's colored by the forces of nature that are alberto and julia in his life He's putting himself out there, right? He's silencing Bruno. He's breaking out of the protective bubble that his parents, his mom, has created for him. There was his, you don't go anywhere, where have you been? You're two minutes late, sea monster life. Yes. But then he comes to the surface and he finds his friends. And I almost from the start got Harry Potter vibes, very Ron and Hermione, although this Ron was way more aggressive and worldly, I guess. But Harry Potter is kind of the same way. He learns that he's a wizard and then goes to this wondrous world where things happen to him. And he's expected to be the chosen one or the, the boy who lived and mostly spends time fumbling around as, as a pretty green magical student who eventually comes into his own and that Luca finds some determination in himself to carry through at least the goals that have been set forth by his friends. But we don't champion Luca particularly as a hero because I think his friends are so much more confident and assertive. The Harry Potter uh, analogy is apt and interesting. That being said, Harry Potter is entering into a magical world where he's our entree into the wizarding world. And we're kind of bumbling along with him. Whereas Luca comes from this magical world, transforms without having to know how to do it. And then enters the human realm, which is obviously very familiar to us. So it's like reverse Harry Potter, where we don't relate to Luca's bumbling so much because of how commonplace the world is that he's entering into. But thematically, I think that can, this can, the movie applies to themes of adulthood, coming into your own, realizing, finding your place. And that kind of stuff, because he does find wonder in the small things, how he reveres the Vespa as the answer to everything. And that child's fascination or fixation with things that are seemingly trivial but mean everything to you. You know, t Talking to the filmmaker, he said that he wanted this wondrous childhood time of roughly the age of 13 when you don't know who you are and you're awkward in your own skin and you're not sure and parents are not exactly uh, on your side all the time, that uh, they might be hampering you from doing the things you want to do. He actually referenced Stand By Me as something of an inspiration what they were shooting for. Our review on Stand By Me, available now wherever you get podcasts. But all that stuff is, you know, sort of under the surface. Get it? <laughs> under the sur under the surface? <laughs> Big splashy marketing campaign? Stand By Sea Monsters. <laughs> Stand by. The Body of Water. The Body of Water? <laughs> I, I just got that. That was very good. Actually, all of them are terrible, but I get what you're going for. Um, do you know more about this director? I mean, still Pete Doctor, you know, and the uh, the brain trust, I'm sure, all over this, but someone new at the helm. 
Yeah, well, he has been around in the Pixar family for a long time. Luna, he did the short film, and that was 2011. So he's been ready and positioned based on his actual childhood friendship with Alberto, although his name is Enrico, and they chose Luca because Luca sounds identical in English and in Italian. Would you feel differently about Luca if it wasn't a Pixar film? Like if it was a, who did your favorite movie, Wolfwalkers? <laughs> like if this were a cartoon saloon animated film, would you feel differently about it? I feel like for a Pixar movie or any animated movie, like I said, the stakes are pretty slight. It doesn't have a lot of weight. I talked to the sneak about it briefly, and she said that she didn't feel any of the feels, really. I mean, I was shocked by how I didn't react very well to the character design in Onward, and then it punched me in the gut, and I found Soul strangely moving, not anywhere near Onward, but that felt like a grandiose, like an epic adventure of sorts, and this came down to a bicycle race. So in that way, emotionally, it didn't have the heft. Character design took me a long time to get over, but then within that framework, I saw the cleverness of the narrow escapes where they would get wet and, and change into their sea monster form and they'd have to conceal it or push them off the boat or dry them off really quickly and stuff or jumping in and out of the water and changing. And all that was cute and, and typical, I think, of Pixar in its sort of cleverness and how it uses its animation in a way that you could never do in claymation or in traditional filmmaking. And then it came down to the you know, pretty thrilling, scary, equally implausible, but very dynamic race where <laughs> Hercule is riding on the handlebars, one foot on the handlebars, one foot on the seat, trying to spear the sea monsters that are threatening to take <laughs> away his glory in the rain. Like the most dangerous thing I've ever seen. And it comes to a thrilling head. And so there is the steady hand of Pixar storytelling and animation, but I don't know that that translates to audience favorites anymore. Is anyone saying Luca is the best film of the year? I guess I wouldn't disagree with that. But story-wise is where I feel like the randomness really hurts this film. It feels like a fun, like a lot of really fun set pieces set around a random race that's not terribly motivated for the characters. Um, I would like to have seen Luca, the character himself, be a little bit more self-actualized. Even if it was something that he realized at the end, like, I can make decisions for myself, I can pursue my dreams, my dreams don't have to be Alberto's dreams, or Julia's dreams, or my parents' dreams, like, what is it that, that I want? And maybe that's for the sequel. Maybe that's when Luca comes into his own, and it's good enough to get out of the sea monster world bubble and into a place that has possibi endless possibilities for Luca. Yeah, we definitely have to go down into the depths with Uncle Ugo for the sequel. <laughs> I want there to be like this uprising. Get it? Up, that's Luca 2, the uprising. Upright. Wow. Where all the deep sea creatures find out about life on the surface and they invade the town. It's like gremlins and, uh, and Luca has to stop it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> This could easily go over with the kids and they would come away with it thinking that was fun. I want to watch Luca again because it's bright and colorful and fun and cute. Luca wasn't in any way unpleasant. Even the distracting Hardman style of animation is still cute and fun. I didn't dislike Luca in any form. This movie gets a solid all right from me because although it's slight, it was decidedly deliberately so, where it could have been a massive movie. But I felt the same way about Brave. I felt that Brave should have been an epic adventure, and it wasn't. 
It was an intimate little family drama thing. And the worst we got was a scary bear. A little bit of magic. And Luca was toned down for the sake of focusing on the friendship and Luca sort of realizing his opportunities in the world and what he wants to focus on. Gotta respect it. Don't gotta love it. But nobody, you can't hate on Luca, right? There's nothing to hate on Luca. It's a sweet, subtle film that I would love to watch again with Paloma. Just kind of low stakes. I felt like Splash was kind of a thriller, ultimately, right? There was the military and junk. And... <laughs> but isn't it kind of nice that Luca wasn't saving the world? That it wasn't the end of the world? Luca definitely gets a good from me. And that's our review on Disney Pixar's Luca. You got an all right from Wes. A good from Iris. No paywall if you got Disney Plus to watch Luca. Everybody does. So check it out. Let us know what you think. 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at or whatever movies. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the city of angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.